0: Hey, welcome to another episode of RapidTesting.ai. Sure, they help B2B and CPG marketers generate data that turns into money, like real money. Well, and the one woman who's going to tell us how to do that, Tessa Berg. She's the vice president of UX and technology strategy at Tenlo. Tessa and her team at Tenlo have collaborated with data science, software, and marketing experts in the last 10 years to develop and continuously evolve how rapid testing can effectively and efficiently help clients bring new products to market. And today she's brought with you who? Welcome, Tessa. Who'd you bring with you?
1: Hello, and welcome to another edition of RapidTesting.ai AI. Today's guest comes from the Rock and Roll Hall of
2: Fame, and she's basically a celebrity herself. Thanks for joining us, Ellie. Thank you so much for having me. I'm definitely a behind-the-scenes celebrity if I'm (laughs) even going to be in that category, but it's great to be here.
1: We're really excited to jump right in and learn about how data and digital play a role at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. We are recording this episode from Cleveland, Ohio. Which, for those who don't know, is where the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is located. It is. We're the Rock
2: and Roll Hall of Fame, and in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame City. Yes. So, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, what brought you to the Rock Hall. I am not musically inclined. I will just get that out of the way ahead of time. But I am a huge fan of music, I'm an avid concert goer. I went to many, many local shows in high school, and I found myself, you know, Rolling Stone reader ticket, stub, collector, all those good things. And really never even considered working at the Rock Hall, which sounds kind of funny to be a a local native and think that it's an entity that's beyond somewhere that I could work. And um, four years ago, I was just at someone's like summer party and ran into someone who had just moved actually from New York City, a much cooler, bigger city, to work in Cleveland at the Rock Hall. And they told me about an open position that was right up my alley with um, digital marketing and content marketing. And that's how I found myself kind of in this backyard gem that I'd always grown up around. That's awesome.
1: So now you're serving as the director of digital marketing and advertising. Tell us a little bit about the marketing goals for the Rock Hall.
2: Yeah, so I'll start with kind of what our core mission is. So our core mission is teach, engage, inspire through the power of rock and roll. And where I really come into that equation is the engage part. Engage means that you're a fan of ours, it's digital, you're a museum visitor. Basically, anyone who is a fan of any rock and roll music out there should also consider us as part of like a bucket list of achievements, something that everyone's got to walk through to see how your favorite artists are all put up together. So my goals would then be driving attendance, driving awareness for exhibits, making sure that people are coming to all of our events and programs, and also making sure our pipeline is filled with new leads, whether those are people who are potential visitors, um, potential partners, and really making sure that we have that broad awareness, not only for the artists that we induct and the people we celebrate, but also as a cultural institution. That's a lot.
1: Of responsibility. <laughs> it is. So tell us a little bit about, like, what are some of the peak times of the year? Like, do you feel like there's some events that uh, get more marketing attention than others
2: or others that drive higher attendance?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It's really interesting because as a museum, we're a cultural institution. We are a nonprofit. But at the same time, we are a travel and um, visitor destination as an attraction. So we're always kind of balancing these two lines between being mission-based and some of the programs and endeavors that we do that are more to serve the community and give back versus creating a compelling attraction that we want people to come all over the globe and experience. So... Really balancing those two worlds, if I'm looking at what's gonna drive the revenue, it's really that general admission ticket. So I focus a lot on tapping into these different fan bases and music fans across the globe, really, and making sure that we are a priority as far as being a destination. And in that, we're tapping into sort of the Cleveland brand, too, where it's an authentic place, it's gritty, it's a lot of fun, you can see all kinds of different people here and experience world-class culinary next to a dive bar that's super fun and does karaoke yeah <laughs> so all of that factors into our favor when we're really trying to sell people on you know not only a rock and roll hall fame visit but a cleveland visit and making you know return trips and telling your friends and all that good word of mouth stuff
1: that's fantastic so as a native clevelander you know i've been to the rock hall a number of times thank
2: you for your support
1: oh, you're welcome Thank you for having an amazing museum. Um, but tell us about some of the other customers. Like, do you notice similarities? Like, who is your ideal target, and how are you learning about how to best connect and motivate mm-hmm. them to come to the Rock Hall?
2: I think a huge shift for us that happened a couple years before I started, but has been carried through pretty dramatically in the last couple years, was that we worked with another group to really hone in on a persona for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And it's not the traditional persona from, um, I will say more regular data categories like age range and gender and household income. We kind of said, let's find behavior-based people because Everyone has entertainment choices. Entertainment categories, you know, nationally go up every year in spend, but the spend is on different kinds of entertainment that you can consume. You know, sports being one, film being another, live music and entertainment, and then we kind of fall within that travel and live music world. So when we really established what the key markers were for the behaviors that were going to lead us to people most receptive to a trip to the museum, I think that kind of just unlocked this idea that data became more personable to us, and it created this picture of the ideal visitor that was ageless, was sexless, that didn't have a preconceived notion about them. It was really the way that they chose to consume media, um, what their preferences were with travel, and then how they valued cultural institutions overall that led us to this formula of, like, we need more of that. Like, we need those people who travel to different places countries or I'm sorry cities to see their favorite band multiple times on a tour we need those kinds of people who are going to invest in the trip here because they see it as something that's like a must-have experience
1: that's awesome yeah so once you've identified these behaviors uh, what tactics
2: are you using to connect with that audience So that's where our surveying comes into play. And it's a little counterintuitive, I think, because we're always kind of going off of last year's survey data. But we're continually using people who come through our doors, getting them into our different survey funnels. They're kind of put into different algorithms that tell us, on a scale of one to five, where they sort of fall as far as having affinity for music, culture, and travel. And then we're using that music fan base to seed additional targeting, essentially, and building and tapping into the group of established music fans and seeing how we can do community building through, like, tell your friends, tell your family. If you're this kind of person, there's a higher probability that you are friends with people like yourself, you know, and really kind of sussing out what are their expectations as far as When they come to the Rock Hall, what do we need to deliver to ensure that they are that right advocate to go back out to market and say, you got to do this versus we find these people and attract them. And then they come and are like, this isn't what I would have wanted.
1: Yeah, that's really interesting. So tell me about some of the digital marketing channels that play a role in that um, behavioral tracking and then also Providing
2: content or influence to people who have already visited. Definitely. So, you know, we're very digitally active we're across all the main social channels our website just went through a redesign and um, You know, our email database is very healthy. We make sure that we're always maintaining Sort of the subscribers who want to be there mindset um, But within that we are always looking at those points of engagement so for instance I know unequivocally that content about the Beatles is going to provide a high level of engagement. That's just what our surveying tells us. That's the people, you know, who are coming to the museum are saying unanimously, like, we love the Beatles, which is great because we have a lot of Beatles stuff. So like, thank God. (laughs) (laughs) But we're taking that into consideration. We're saying, okay, how can we use the Beatles as the framework for the content, but then make it? the Rock Hall story of them and make it more about the experience. And if the Beatles are your your gateway, how are they relating to other artists that are represented in other pieces of a sonic history that you might not necessarily think of when you just say, I love the Beatles?
1: Yeah. So you said the word sonic history. And before we got on air, we were talking about an exhibit that does an awesome job Mm -hmm. of bringing that sonic history to life. What is the definition
2: of sonic history? So internally, we kind of just use that phrase because of really the way that we define rock and roll. And that's at the crux of a lot of our digital engagement is this idea what is rock, what is not rock, what is rock becoming, how do you celebrate it? And the sonic history is really just looking at the time, circumstances, and the people who use these instruments to create these monumental songs that basically inspired change, mm-hmm. inspired other people to pick up instruments and follow along in their footsteps. And then the riffs of what that became, you know, so starting with people like the Delta Blues and Robert Johnson and all of these like forefathers of guitar and rock. And mm-hmm. then how do you get? how does that translate when led zeppelin picks that up and that influences the beatles and i'm totally not doing a great job being educational because i definitely rely on our world-class education staff to provide me with this backbone of content to go out into the world and really connect with fans on but even as just someone who's been there for a while and has walked these halls and appreciates the same stuff that you saw you really get a sense of the music is bigger than one time location or person who sang it. So Elvis and Lady Gaga and Mick Jagger and Diana Ross all have this commonality between them that on the surface their songs couldn't sound more not alike, but mm-hmm who they were as perpetrators of this rock and roll stuff and what it meant to them and what it meant to the society that their imprint was on. I think that's kind of how we unite them in the same house. So
1: that feels very immersive. It is. Very experiential. How do you get what you just described and the feeling that people have when they come to the rock hall outside of Cleveland and outside the walls to kind of share that uh, with others?
2: It's a huge challenge. On social media especially, which we were talking a little bit about, it's a very siloed, polarizing social media world right now. Um, You know, people are really finding their niche and finding what's been curated for them and wanting to stay there and wanting things to that be their source of truth. And everything I just walked you through is very gray as far as what music fans would consider sometimes because they have a certain definition of what they believe rock and roll to be. And if it steps outside of those boundaries, we're kind of shifting even their identity by, I'll give you a great and easy example, saying hip-hop has a place in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You know, that's very hard for some people to come to terms with. But when we're doing our storytelling... We're always trying to connect through the agent of these artists are impactful, they're trailblazers. They definitely, at an artist-to-artist peer level, are influenced by one e- one another and in surprising ways that maybe fans wouldn't always put together, but mm-hmm. they carry the tradition. So we're carrying the tradition of doing our best to try and make our social media as immersive and non-siloed as possible. And at the same time, hoping people come and buy tickets and see what we're selling out there.
1: When you said we hope people come and buy tickets, tell me a little bit about how do you measure? Like, Are you able to tie back the ticket sales to you know, the content and the data that you're using to tell
2: these stories online? We're building as much as we can that picture out because it's so invaluable to know what is moving the needle as far as conversion. And I would even consider the people who subscribe and opt in to our email communications as a very important conversion for us because you might be a fan of ours on Facebook and for 10 years and engage with my content. You watch our videos, you like things, you share things, you're consistently showing up in my you know, social templates, sc- scorecard, being as a check, like, great, you're adding to all these wonderful metrics and values, but your circumstances might not bring you to this region for 10 years, hmm. you know? So that's always something, again, going back to that behavior-based model where we're really driving that conversion of ticket sales that affinity for travel and that propensity for travel piece is is just huge for us to incorporate into our targeting because we need people who are willing to travel, essentially. Yeah. So we're trying to find, you know, those music fans who also take action, not just music fans who are, you know, clicking like, and I value them a lot, but they're not in the same funnel as, like, going to convert for me.
1: Yeah. I think it's funny because a lot of our clients here at Tenlo and a lot of the listeners work in large sales organizations mm-hmm. where the number one goal is to get leads. Mm-hmm. And similarly, we have found that when you start scoring people based more on behavior and not on uh, geographic or their demographic information, that yes, it's a better predictor of whether or not they're going to buy from you.
2: And it's. Just the things, I think, when you're looking at it in totality for us at the Visitor Footprint, because I do a lot of region-based um, scraping on our GA to figure out, you know, what regions are sending converting traffic through our website, because that's a huge indicator for me of different places that might be more prone to tourism travel. It's-
1: you guys do an awesome job of effectively applying data and measuring. Tell us about some of the challenges that you yeah.
2: uh,
1: face in... Getting people to come visit
2: our amazing town of Cleveland, Ohio. (laughs) And I'll say, I, you know, Cleveland, we are an amazing town. I love it here, but there's definitely a seasonality to visiting from the outside. For instance, we have our, you know, unsurprising to anyone, we have our largest visitor attendance May to September. Also coincides with the best weather that we'll see. Mm -hmm. You know, so I wouldn't expect us to be able to drive these freak peaks in January and February, you know, when it's negative 20 outside. I don't know that there's that much demand for travel, but we do work really closely with Destination Cleveland and their overall event calendar. Try and capitalize, you know, on all the different events that they're working hard to bring here, all the conventions. That stuff is so important to us and our business, too. So they're a great partner, but we really just are, from that attraction side, competing sometimes with other similar destinations, cities around us. Your Chicago's, your Nashville's, your Detroit's, your Pittsburgh's, where we all have the same weather to contend with. We Mm -hmm. all have the same kind of landlocked geographic footprint. But what are the things that we're doing to convince similar people who are looking for similar experiences you know nightlife music interesting things to take in cultural aspects how are we helping cleveland and how's cleveland helping us to be able to be a better beacon than some of these other places because i do think that if you're talking about people in California, in Florida, in Texas, and they're making travel decisions to come into the, these general regions, how are we kind of raising our hand and saying, like, pick us, mm-hmm. you know, over Nashville, which I think they are brilliant. They are the bachelor and bachelorette capital of the world. What, yeah. a, what a better way to get groups of, you know, five to 15 people for everything.
1: Yes. I was recently in Nashville and was sort of overwhelmed by... The amount of pink on uh, flatbed trucks Mm -hmm. going down the street. They
2: have created industries in Nashville that cater completely to this kind of travel. And that's where you see that digital savvy and that word of mouth. And it's all about the experience being paid off for what you're building it up to be that it's like now in every maid of honor's mind when she has to plan the bachelorette party she's already thinking nashville because it's like this laid out safe bet of a good time and you know we have great peers over at the country music hall of fame in nashville and they're right in the epicenter of these different places where people are seeing live music music rose down the street you know i sat on the patio out there and saw at least 20 of these flatbeds drive by on a mm-hmm. saturday afternoon So they're kind of positioned in this place where they have this tourism driving through. And I think that's where we're always trying to look at and say, what is bringing people to Cleveland? If it's not us at the Rock Hall, then what else can we be amenable to, to fitting into that?
1: Mm -hmm. So we've heard a lot of interesting information so far, and I'm excited to ask a few more questions. But before I do, we're going to take a short break for a commercial.
0: And we just want to, again, remind you that RapidTesting.ai is the newest show on Tenlo Radio. It's being syndicated here on Funnel Radio Channel and over other stations like OC Talk Radio here in Orange County. It's brought to you by Tenlo. Tenlo is a pipeline marketing agency that focuses on quickly identifying and converting high-value leads. That's the key. Don't just find them. you got to do something with them. Visit tenlo.com to learn how you can use this magical digital marketing process to get more out of your trade shows, website, and sales support groups. It's all waiting for you at tenlo.com, just like it sounds, T-E-N-L-O, tenlo.com.
1: And we're back. Uh, so the last point you made before we took our short break for our informative commercial was What are the other things that Cleveland can be doing to be another type of attraction for people who might be interested in the Rock Hall? Because I agree, if there's only one thing to do at a city, you might not fly from California just to come to Cleveland just for the Rock Hall. Yeah. Are there certain things that you see that Cleveland is investing in or that really resonate with the Rock Hall visitors? Like people go to the Rock Hall, they're also doing Mm -hmm. what?
2: So... It's very helpful that we have three professional sports teams here. Mm-hmm. You do get those traveling fan bases. That's definitely part of our marketing strategy. We have different teams and their team bases that we target digitally because we know that if there's a Yankees series or Red Sox series when the Indians are playing and it's home, it's going to be a great sold out weekend. Yeah. You know, there's just those known things. Uh, We definitely carry that over into Brown season with the home games about where people are coming from But even that has tested our learning in such unexpected ways. I'm very excited to keep applying new ideas If you looked at our home schedule this year, which we ran a digital campaign and we did, you know radio and um, I don't think we did any outdoor for that one, but we definitely went heavy on targeting people through known sports sites and kind of dropping in front of these fan bases and saying, "Hey, while you're coming to Cleveland to see the Bills play, like make sure you go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame." Yeah. The Seahawks, they were the largest traveling fan base this year, oh, and how they were some of the furthest away people. Yeah. And that's where, you know, you always have to let the data make decisions beforehand. I could not have known that before that weekend just rolled around, but also taking into consideration the next time we do this to not let my preconceived notions of what people are willing to do and what they're willing to travel for, like, that's where as a human and a marketer, it's like, I need to rely more on the data because our data really does suggest that sometimes people are willing to get on a plane just for this thing especially when they're already in a market that is very expensive mm-hmm. it's hard to have experiences at home which is like something that clevelanders i don't think we have to go through that the fact that some of these concerts that are coming up are sold out already i think is blowing the minds of many of my friends are so like yeah sold out concert like i can't get tickets anymore mm-hmm. but these people in seattle can't get football tickets can't go and see these big shows because the demand is just so high and the prices are exorbitant that at some point in time it makes financial sense for them to get on a plane and come to cleveland to watch their team play
1: yeah and the food and the hotels are mm-hmm. cheaper too
2: mm-hmm. and it's a reason to travel yeah with the challenge is not trying to make the decision ahead of time for who the potential customer is but really mm-hmm. stepping back and saying i know that maybe i wouldn't fly to seattle because those are my circumstances, you know?
1: Yeah, that is a really interesting perspective. So other than sports, do you see other forms of entertainment or other, I guess, maybe not even entertainment, but other telling behaviors that uh, the data shows sort of is priority for targeting over other factors?
2: I think our peers at Cleveland Museum of Art are tapped into this too. For sure, the way that they're choosing to do their special exhibits, I mean, they were fortunate fortunate enough to land the Infinity Mirrors, mm-hmm. and I know that that drove a lot of drive traffic in, because again, it's only in select cities, and if you know where it is on the schedule, it's easier to come to in Cleveland if you're from Pittsburgh rather than Toronto. Mm-hmm. So I think that was a very smart, calculated move to make them more of an attraction, because I know yeah. the Museum of Art is so beloved by locals, I love it there too, but making, tapping into a wider culture and making bigger bets, I think, are things that other organizations, I hope I see more of it, because I think that you. it might seem like to us in our own internal perception that we're not resonant enough to drive that traffic and drive people to come here, but I think we really are. Yeah, like, That's what the data keeps telling me at the Rock Hall and, you know, trusting that and making bigger partner buys and ad buys in different national markets. That's where we're seeding that future travel, too, because some of our fans, like they're going to age out of the ability to travel at some point in time, mm-hmm. you know, so we're going to need the younger fans who are going through their own musical journeys right now fans of the Billie Eilish and the Tame Impalas and people who aren't thinking Rock Hall because their artist is much more like, let's say, in the Grammy space. Mm -hmm. We still need to be considered by them at some point. And if they are, you know, making themselves concertgoers now and they're making those steps to become those people, those are great leads for us to kind of keep working on.
1: I really like and I feel like this is another parallel to business-to-business marketing and even services that you think so deeply about different audiences' circumstances and use that as a way to keep asking questions of, you know, what would provide the most value to them. Mm -hmm. Um, What do you think is sort of the next, or maybe not the next, but what are some simple things other destinations or even other marketers can do to start down this road of, Um, using their empathy for their target audience and their Mm. uh, behavioral audience data in their own marketing?
2: That's a great question. And there's a couple things I would suggest. I think that any business can make itself the destination in the market. You know, if that's a physical location that you have as a store, if that's an online destination, everyone is in a business with some kind of competition. And we are such an experiential and focused on service kind of culture that I think that you can take any kind of learning or anything to kind of set yourself apart if it can't happen at the product category or the service level it has to happen in the way that you're delivering some kind of experience Mm -hmm. to your potential customers and embrace the idea that you are powerful enough as a company and an entity that you can sway and attract other people you know I think that's that's just something and it's a mindset that then can tailor down into, you know, what kind of data do you collect? And do you do any surveying? And what do you really do with those survey results? And and being more honest about the level of empathy that you want to use to attract those customers. Because for us, like using our CRM, one of the biggest gains for me is its flexibility and creating all different kinds of data customization. Mm-hmm. Because we, You know predetermined from me went down this path of not wanting to use traditional data not wanting to use traditional markers to signify to us who our best customers were now it's kind of following that trend of you know every year that we do a fan vote i need to know who's voting for which artists and at what cadence because now that i know who's being inducted and i can tell my super fan who's voted 80 days in a row versus someone who voted just once if I'm really looking to seed the best fan experience and let's say, um, this is actually real life, I'm working on this right now, we're going to have a red carpet experience. It's going to be a spot for 50 fans to be there to see their artists and be part of that. Aren't those, you know, 20 super fans that I can identify and know beyond doubt that their internal passion was to be that that everyday voter, and to support that band, are those the best people to tap into and say, here's this experience just for you? Because their output of it is going to be the best reflection of us. Mm-hmm.
1: That is interesting.
2: So I'm looking for them. I have them. It's, it's definitely one of those things where we're like, why sell a ticket when you can give it to a super fan? Because that will resonate so much wider and in such a more authentic way because, yeah. you know, going to the highest bidder, it's the StubHub conversation. It's, I can't get access to anything. This sucks. Real fans can't go to stuff. Like, we're very cognizant of that, that it's very challenging. That is amazing. I mean, I wish, that
1: now I know to vote a lot. <laughs> Show
2: my super fandom. I know. I know. I've just backed myself into a corner next year when I see all these super fans. like, damn it
1: because well, you're right like the impact on someone who is already following already wants to be there yeah um you know Why is a I... deep fan of the music and not just doing it to be on a carpet like exactly. that's totally different
2: and then at the same time using those targeted lists to seed potential follower growth and advertising on paid social media like i don't I don't want to have to try and pay to recreate that. I just did an activation that gave me the true data of yes, these are the super fans. Like how do you then activate them? You know what I mean? Like I can't yeah. make people care about something that the organization cares about if I'm not trying to connect with the authentic audience. The yeah. data leads me there.
1: And I think that's something not only can businesses take away, tapping into their best customers' passions, but even like trade shows and certainly mm-hmm. other travel destinations it's like align you know with who your customers are and yet don't always go for the highest
2: price it's interesting too that you say that because i think that what's underutilized sometimes in businesses is showing appreciation for that super customer or that long-standing partner in unconventional ways can pay off in solidifying your relationship um creating value for them in a way that a competitor couldn't even with a price cut or a discount because you as an entity in a business are always presented with different advertising options right and different advertorial pitches and different newsletter inclusions or Mm -hmm. all kinds of different ways that you know other entities are trying to get you to spread your message but if you give those over to some of your fans and even if you pay for some of them you're lifting their voice which is in turn lifting yours And you're not necessarily again I think you would have to invest more and spend more to have someone craft that for you
1: yes and a lot of uh, business-to-business companies in general are struggling with retention and Mm -hmm. it does come down to what is that customer experience because a lot of things are gonna start being sold on Amazon even for business distributors and if you aren't deeply connected and celebrating who your best customers are and bringing that additional value then Mm -hmm. that's
2: gonna yeah I mean everyone likes a cheap price that is something that everyone I think innately is attracted to like a moth to a flame but it's the same model that sometimes I grapple with where it's like do I just do discounts all the time because then you know wider district Dispersion of prices more people accessibility, but it's like if you stick to your your core price But deliver and exceed expectation is someone really gonna walk away being like I can't believe I spent You know twenty eight dollars to go and have this like full-day immersion Mm -hmm. in My favorite music and I learned and saw so many things and had takeaways I didn't even know I would have so that's why for us like we invest a lot on the on-site experience, you know We are always trying to make it that much more connective and interactive, if anything, because that's just the trends of where the market and attractions is going.
1: So, Ellie, before we go, is there anything exciting coming up at the Rock Hall?
2: There's always something exciting going on at the Rock Hall, and I say that in all seriousness. Um, If you guys are listening and are interested, please hop over to rockhall.com, look at our events calendar. We've got a full series of summer music coming out soon. We are celebrating our 25th anniversary as a museum this year. Oh, wow. Yeah, Um, big 25. And you know we've got inductions coming up into Cleveland. So if you're a local, check out and see what you can do in the induction week events. It'll be a lot of fun.
1: That's great. I remember growing up and seeing the first designs of the Rock Hall and everyone being like,
2: that Crazy and weird. (laughs) You know, it's funny because we were designed and built by the same architect who did Pyramid at the Louvre. Okay. So he's controversial everywhere he goes Mm. because he's very divided over there in Paris, is, you know, whether or not that was the right thing to do. But I guess that's just kind of the rock and roll attitude and mindset. Yes, it is.
1: Well, that's awesome. Well, thank you for being a guest and go to. What's the website again? RockHall.com. RockHall.com to check out the summer series and the upcoming events. Bye. You've been listening to the RapidTesting.ai podcast from Tenlo with your host, Tessa Berg. Be sure to look for us in all your favorite podcast
2: apps or on our site, RapidTesting.ai.